All right, so let's get this. Let's get this show on the road. On the road again. Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Robino, and Ryan Flurry. Now, let's banter. Hey, and welcome to AT Banter. I am Robino, and today I am joined by Ryan Flurry. Howdy. And Steve Barkley is off this week, so it's just the two of us. Just the two of us. You and I. Hey, here's some news. What's that? You got, well, you know this, you know this news quite well. Uh, you got your Google Home and your Amazon Echo Dot. I did. Yep. That's pretty exciting. It is exciting. What's your What's your uh, take on it so far? Is it pretty much line up with the uh, the research that we did the other day? I find it interesting because looking at a bunch of different web searches on reviews of both devices, people really are leaning towards the Echo hands down as the winner so far. And maybe because it's been around two years and the Google Home just came out in the fall and there's a lot more skills that you can add to the Echo, so the Google Home's looking limited. But where the Google Home really shines is it's got the power of the Google search behind it. And a lot of different sources like Wikipedia and World um, Wildlife Federation. And, you know, you ask it a question and it comes back with the result instantly from a source that, you know, the Echo probably wouldn't be able to do or can't do. It can't do, yeah. Just yeah. because of the power of Google search. Right. So I will bring them both in and maybe we'll sit down and do a banter bit on them. We will definitely do that. We'll come up with a list of maybe 10 questions we can ask each of them. We can do a little bit of a comparison, and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Cause, but like I, you know, again, it's it's a it's a device that I think I feel like it has a, a lot of potential there. So, well, I think in terms of accessibility, again, you know, home automation for someone with a disability would be huge because you could actually say, you know, Echo or Hey Google, turn on living room lights, and it would turn on the living room lights. You could use it, turn your TV on, turn your thermostat up, lock and unlock your doors. You know, there's a lot of home automation or home integration that is included and more is coming. Um, I think that'll be really cool. So stay tuned for that very special episode of AT Banter coming soon. So today we're going to be talking to Ricky Pointer. And Ricky is a 25-year-old deaf woman from uh, uh, West North Carolina. Why do I keep saying West Virginia? <laughs> now I have John Denver in my head. Yeah, I was just trying to think of the words as well. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, she's, um, but yeah, she's a very big YouTuber, has a very big channel, and um, is a uh, blogger and um, a bit of an advocate for for the deaf community. We were, we thought her story was, was pretty interesting, so we um, we decided to book her and talk to her. Now, Given that she is deaf, we had to conduct the interview a little differently than we would normally. Um, so there's going to be a lot of editing in this episode, just so that you know you're aware. What Rob had to do 
to do the interview was had to type each question to Ricky and give her a chance to respond to that question. So then after she responded, he would type a second question and they'd interact that way. Yeah, exactly. So, and what we what we will do, because of course of the nature of the podcast, we'll record the questions um, and then splice it in with her answer. So there's, there's going to be a little bit of, you know, editing cheating here. Um, but that's just, you know, the nature of what, you know, how we needed to, to conduct the interview. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, Ricky is deaf. Uh, you know, she's not actually hearing us ask the questions. You know, she's responding to, uh, you know, um, the, the Skype chat. So uh, it's, we'll see how it comes together. All right. So why don't we bring her on? Let's do it. Well, Ricky, thanks so much for joining us today, and thanks for accommodating us uh, in this way. Um, I guess, first of all, why don't we just start out with uh, a little bit of background about yourself, where you live, how old you are, and when you were first diagnosed with hearing loss. Okay, so my name is Ricky Pointer. I live in North Carolina. I am 25 years old, 26 in July. Oh, oh man. And I was actually first diagnosed with hearing loss when I was 12 and it could be it could be that I've been you know hard of hearing you know well for when I was 12 I was hard of hearing obviously but you know upgraded to like Jeff when I was older but it's possible that you know I I had it when I was younger but nobody really noticed until I was 12. And how did that impact you at the time was it was it hard to accept what was the process of acceptance like? Uh, well, I I was a kid, so I didn't really pay attention to it. I mean, you know, when we were kids, kids didn't really pay attention to anything serious unless it wasn't getting the newest Pokemon game. No, that was just me? Okay. So, <laughs> uh, I don't think it really hit me until, like, my high school years. I think I remember getting it picked on a little bit when I was in, like, sixth grade and stuff, but it wasn't, it just wasn't... Very impactful until high school, you know, I started finally noticing the fact or, you know, accepting the fact that I had a significant amount of hearing loss. And I think it was, it was just the fact that, you know, I was by myself. I didn't really know a whole lot of other deaf people except for my biological mother. That's a whole different story. And, you know, it's easier to accept things when you are with other people that, know who you are, know what it's like, you know, basically the same as you, and that didn't happen until I was about like, 20, 21. So it was definitely hard to accept it at first, but then it got easier. What were some of the challenges you faced in a in a mainstream high school, and what were some of the frustrations? Um, I think most of it was just, like, the academic part itself. Like, say, for instance, it's like my most my biggest one was when I was in U.S. history class, and I made a video about this. And, you know, when you have to watch films, like educational films, and then you have to write notes on it and stuff, like the, oh, did you hear this fact? Okay, write it down. And that was one of the most difficult assignments for me because I couldn't understand everything. I could hear it. It was loud enough, but it just sounded like, say, if you were watching, I don't know what languages you speak, but let's pretend you don't speak German or something, okay? And so you were watching a film in German without a film in German without any of the subtitles, and you're just like, 
okay, I can hear this language, but I have no idea what it translates to. That's basically what it feels like. And he knew, like, I did not make it a secret that I wasn't able to hear and understand things very well. That's why I was often sitting in the front. So when I, this particular time, I told him, yo, I can't, you know, understand what's going on. There's no captions, and there weren't, there weren't going to be any captions, so... You know, I handed him my paper of, like, 15 facts that were also incomplete, and then he would take my paper and read off, like, a couple of the things that I wrote, and I was the only person that he did it to, and then he was laughing at it, and I was, it was just annoying. And then there was a time in math class, I think senior year, I think, um, you know, we had a teacher that would have his, the board, like a PowerPoint, at the front, but then he was sitting all the way in the back, and I'm sitting in the middle. So you know, you're trying to like look at what's happening, you know, with the math problems because math is very visual. And but then I'm all, but then you're also trying to like turn around because obviously the teacher's going to be saying things that you need to know, and it was just very difficult always moving back and forth, back and forth, and it very difficult. And I would go up to him and be like, "Hey, I need your help," and he would go, "Uh, well, did you not pay attention to what I was saying?" And I'm like. No, dude, you know, you know, I can't hear you very well. I can't understand you very well. And then, like, stuff like English class, when you're supposed to be reading a book, like, out loud, like, it's a class reading session, often lost my place and stuff because people talking behind me, being very quiet, we had people with very strong accents. It was just, that was mostly a difficult part. There was some social stuff there, like, I felt left out because like everybody else could hear each other and better and you know all that stuff but it was mostly just the academic stuff so what changed for you after high school um how did you discover deaf culture and what sort of impact did it have on you at the time once i graduated i still didn't pay that much attention to it really the whole deafness thing um because i was mostly like actually by myself i didn't do anything after high school i moved to YouTube because, you know, college, money, that kind of thing. It's just what they're working out. And, you know, when I was doing, when I was first doing YouTube, I was just doing makeup videos. So I was not hearing, quote, quote, but, you know, I was still the mainstream oral deaf kid. So it didn't, I didn't actually find anything deaf culture related until maybe like 21, 22. I, the actual age is always kind of fuzzy, but I was browsing Tumblr, really, and I was just, okay, I was very curious about, uh, well, it just how many deaf people are. Is there any other people like me? Because I got so tired of feeling alone. I think what actually may have happened was when I was looking to see if any there were any deaf makeup artists at all in the world, and I watched the video over because there is one in Los Angeles, and then it kind of moved on from there. But then I, you know, Tumblr, I started seeing, you know, other deaf people online. I was like, holy crap, you know, and I started following them. And then we started talking and then I started learning more things. And I started noticing more and more, like, I guess, quote, quote, ableist or artist people. And you're just thinking of these weird things about deaf people. Some, some questions were, you know, very, like, normal and understandable. But then, you know, some things are just... So way bizarre, it's been, you know, very rude, and that just got me thinking into stuff, and I was like, man, this, this sucks, and I started getting more into that whole, you know, activism thing, you know, making posts every once in a while, and it just 
kind of grew from there, and it moved to me getting bored of makeup, which was getting bored of makeup was also just because it was that itself was getting boring and repetitive. But then I was like, huh, if I if I quit the makeup community on YouTube, what am I gonna do? Because that was all that I knew for what I think it was four years that I was doing it, and I thought, well, I'm deaf. And I'm getting into this activism thing, right? So let's let's make some videos. And that that blew up. But I was still, it still wasn't, it was just kind of like dipping my toes very barely into deaf culture itself because it was still me being very focused on like just deafness itself as like a quote, quote, medical condition versus actually being in the culture, which did not happen until like two years when I got, when I got my first film gig, quote, quote. And I uh, went to Los Angeles for the first time, and then I came across some other uh, deaf people that I met online, and I got to stay with them. And since then, it just it blew up. How long ago did you make the switch from doing makeup videos to doing videos uh, surrounding deaf culture? Let's see. I'm pretty sure that my first video that was 100% deaf-related was... October 1st, 2014, I'm pretty sure. I remember it was the, it was on Deaf Awareness Week. So I think it was October 1st, yeah. Because Deaf Awareness Week is like the last week of September. And how long did it take for your channel to then gain some traction? Um, When did you sort of realize that it was becoming large and did it shock you? I think that video when it first came out, it started, it was a little bit slow because really if you put, if you put makeup related topics and deaf related topics in a competition, makeup is more than likely going to win. That's the more popular thing on YouTube. So that took a bit of time, but I remember asking my friend, Francesca Ramsey, who does uh, MTV Decoded, we were friends, or I guess more acquaintances at that time. And I asked her, and I think maybe a couple of other people, if they would be willing to help share that video. It was a um, Q&A, like a Deaf Basics 101 kind of video. And I figured if I can ask some other YouTubers who are activists, you know, you, even if it's not deaf-related, I just thought, hey, you know, could you help me out with this particular kind of activism? Because it's not something that people really pay attention to. And then Francesca said, sure, and then she would blood it on Tumblr and think other people shared it as well, because once she blood it on Tumblr, that blew up. But uh, my channel did not, uh, when, um, I don't, I, pr- I probably can't swear here, but when the things hearing people say uh, video came out, which was, you know, that whole things blank people say was like a series that was very popular on YouTube at the time, so it was just another part of it. That started out slow again, but it somehow it just blew up. Like now it has like 400,000 views. I haven't checked in a while. It might even have 500,000. That just blew up. I remember one popular Tumblr, who, which is focused on like female YouTubers, made a gift set out of it and that blew up. And then I remember somebody posting screenshots on, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I remember somebody posting screenshots on Amgur, I think it is, like kind of like a Reddit thing, I guess, and that's, I'm pretty sure, is when it blew up. But then what happened 
two years ago, January 2015, I was on a plane to IMATS, which was the, uh, what, what's, what's it stand for? International Makeup Orchard Street Trade Show, something like that. It was a makeup show. And uh, my friend and I were going together. We were on a plane to Los Angeles, and, you know, we land, get that plane off, pl- or get that phone off plane mode, and all of a sudden, my notifications are blowing the heck up. I am getting a bunch of Facebook notifications, tweets, a bunch of emails. I even got a bunch of text messages that was just like, oh my god, Ricky, you, your YouTube page is not, oh my god. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with you people? What are you doing on my phone? And then I look at some other tweet and I see Tyler Oakley has made a video about you. It was like he was making a video about captions and how it was important to do that. And then he mentioned my name and my face in one of my videos that I made about it. So, I mean, Tyler Oakley has millions and millions of subscribers. So that gave me, let's see, I think I was at 3,000 subscribers at that time. So I was very, very small. And then uh, during, like, the first wave of subscribers coming um, from that, was I blew up to probably somewhere between ten to 15,000. So that... That was the first wave of, oh my gosh, this channel is getting bigger. And then I started again uh, just recently when I was doing the collaboration with Tommy Edison, which then blew up my channel too. Now now I'm at 46,000, so it it shocks me. It's a good shock and sometimes also kind of mm, shock just because, you know, the bigger you get, the more you can have people that are just, uh, ridiculous and unnecessarily rude that that come in, but most of it has been a good shot because it's like, oh, these people want to know what I have to say, even if I don't, even though I don't only just talk about definition. You know, there are probably some people that want to comment about the Pokemon stuff too, but it's it's just wow. So, do you feel a sense of pressure as well now that you have a larger audience? Oh yes, definitely. I think every YouTuber any person that's like in the public eye can say that because you have more eyes watching you so you have to feel like you have to watch every single move that you make some people don't care and they'll do whatever they want but it's like depending on what you're doing like say if you're doing activism right for the most part people will look at you and they're like okay so now you got to be a role model to these kids so you have to act like this don't say this. I've had people email me, like, I've had old ladies mail me and tell me not to swear in my videos. I was just like, okay, okay. Um, I, I honestly, I didn't really listen to that, if I'm going to be honest. But, like, with educational videos, I want to, like, if I want teachers to kind of use them, I will. But, you know, it's just feeling like you have to be 100%, 100% perfect all the time. Like, you can't mess up. And even if, and when you do mess up, you're scared to, like, do anything. It's just ah, nerve-wracking. So your videos also tend to be very open, honest, and personal. Um, did you find it was it was hard to open up to such a large audience? Depending on the topic, yes. Um, there's still, I think, was there only? Well, yeah, first there was two topics that I didn't really want to talk about. Now there's still one topic that I bring up in like very short sentences like just here's this one sentence that I just barely like vaguely talk about like I mentioned biological models that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about but um, 
that stuff like that is very difficult to talk about because I want like I want to talk about it, but it's like if you're not 100 percent out of the situation, it's hard to talk about it because then people will be like, well, why don't you do this and why don't you do that? And it's just like, oh goodness. So yeah, it gets easier just depending on the topic. With deaf things, it tends to be easier, but. And do you find that recording the videos on topics that are obviously very near and dear to you uh, helps you personally? Do you get a lot of support from your audience? Yeah, they actually do tend to help me. And it's like if you have the support, which yes, most of the time I do get a lot of support. I think only every once in a while you get like the, well, why don't you do this comments? Which some of them are genuine, like, oh, well, well have you thought about doing this? Versus, well, why aren't you doing this? You know, that kind of that kind of tone. Um, it, it does help to get it off my chest. Yeah. So it also helps if it's like when people comment, you know, if they're, if they're going through the same thing, that's also what really helps. Cause then I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've been going through this too. And then, you know, their own stories. Yes. I get so many comments and messages and stuff just telling me it's so nice to have somebody who feels like me and, Especially when you're, like, in the middle, like me, when you're someone who started out as being mainstreamed your whole entire life, just using spoken language and whatnot, and then, like, trying to move into deaf culture, so, you know, learning sign language and then having new friends. So what are some of the benefits that you found from having a successful YouTube channel and such a large social network presence? Oh, a couple of things. I met my boyfriend through doing this, so that was awesome. And, you know, uh, a whole new family because part of having the deaf friends that I do now came from my YouTube channel. Like, I wouldn't know the people that I see whenever I do go to Los Angeles without my YouTube channel. I wouldn't have the job that I do now at uh, D-Pan's News Network, DTV News. Without having a YouTube channel, because I didn't have my YouTube channel, I wouldn't have met my friends. Therefore, I wouldn't have gotten to know that there was a job opening there, and they wouldn't have opportunity, you know, because they wouldn't have known I existed. And then, you know, going to VidCon and all these other conferences that I've been invited to, being able to host workshops or, you know, visit panels, whether it's talking about closed captioning or whether it's just talking about, like, personal stories. And not only that, but, you know, more people, more YouTubers captioning our content, which is also totally awesome. So now what are some of the goals that you have uh, with the channel? I really, really, really want to hit 50,000. I am so close. I'm 4,000 away. That's like my biggest one right now. Because I was hoping to get to that 50,000 goal by the end of 2016. I was looking hopeful after the collaboration with Tommy, but it, uh, it didn't happen. But we're going to get there. And then after that, 100,000, because I, 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 I want that plaque. I want that plaque, YouTube. You hear me? But um, besides that, you know, just more opportunities because I am looking to make make a living at this. Like, you don't make that much from YouTube unless you're, like, really big. And then you have most people who are big on YouTube will make most of their money from, like, other opportunities because they have, like, careers that are, like, branches of the YouTube channel. So... That would be great, and just I want more public speaking opportunities, so I was starting local, and then I did have a few, like one or two different 
uh, events, not counting like VidCon or anything, but just different conferences are going to school. So pretty much you know, that, just more opportunities in general. And the plaque. Give me the plaque, please. <laughs> and what are some of the issues that you personally are passionate about? Oh, goodness. I'm passionate about a few things. One of them, obviously, being, you know, Jeff Wright's closed captioning awareness and deaf awareness and disability rights and awareness. Uh, I, I am a feminist. I'm all about those, you know, women's rights and male rights that come with it. Uh, let's see. Human rights, those are pretty much, you know, all of that into one little ball. In your opinion, what is one or maybe a few of the most pressing issues when it comes to deaf rights and or awareness? Accessibility, hands down. So, like, if you want to get information on the Internet and sometimes even on television, it's very difficult to get proper closed captioning. On TV, is a little bit easier because the law states, you know, the FCC states, you got to have closed captioning on TV. Internet, it's much harder because that's a, a different category. Not that, of course, there are companies like Netflix that now there's a law that Netflix has to be captioned. But stuff like YouTube, YouTube doesn't fall into that stuff, so that's a little bit difficult. But um, like let's say getting interpreters for a card, like say you know you're at an event, like if I'm going to a speaking event, I I need a car and an interpreter and use both now. So a lot of people have just when they got it when they're doing something like when a friend of mine, a filmmaker friend of mine, was going to a film festival because her film was being showed. They didn't want to provide her with an interpreter, even though that's just what you're supposed to do. Or say, like if you're going to the hospital, I got into a car crash um, in 2014. So I went to the hospital and. Um, you know, I was on the little, what's it called, the stretcher or whatever, you know, I had my head tied down and there were towels, you know, attached to my ears, you know, make it all stopped and whatnot, which I was very appreciative of. But then, you know, we get to the waiting room of the hospital in the ER section and then there's like people just talking to me out loud with their mouths and I'm like, I, they knew I was deaf. I told them that. I told the ambulance people, which they told the nurses and whoever, that, but it just they weren't paying attention really, or I don't know, maybe they just didn't care. So they'd be like just talking at loud. And I'm like, I, I would be having such issues even if these towels weren't on my ears, but now that they're on, I'm having a heck of a lot more issues. And you know, I'm in a hospital, like, well, are you gonna give me medication if I don't know what you're saying? Are you gonna give me something I'm allergic to? And then that causes more problems, you know. Which has happened to a, a lot of pe a lot of deaf people in medical establishments, and you know, like if you like those who have been questioned by police, arrested by police, some of them don't want to provide interpreters or like even write back and forth, even though legally by law you are supposed to provide an interpreter. So that that's very frustrating. What are some of the most frustrating misconceptions that you still find people have these days um, around deafness? So just in general, the whole deaf people can't do this, can't do that. They're like, if you're trying to get a job, or like even the most basic job, like everybody says, just uh, apply at McDonald's. They accept anybody. No, they don't. <laughs> I tried. I know. But um, just 
if you go into an interview, whatever, or you pull an application, hi, I'm Jeff, it's like, oh gosh, this isn't going to work out. They're not going to be able to hear anything. Their customers are saying they can't answer phone calls. You know, they just can't do this or that. So then it's just difficult for us to get jobs. Uh, things like driving, people think that me, I can't drive because, you know, can't hear the sirens. So it was illegal for us to drive until 1968, 1969 in the United States. Still illegal in some other countries. So that kind of misconception hurts us because the society just if they make it seem enough like we can't do anything and then it just makes us harder to be able to do things because then people won't let us do things you know like how are we supposed to make a living with all these misconceptions right and what has your experience been like with youtube uh had you, any frustrations there i mean what's it like running a channel as big as yours uh a few, I think it's mostly when you're trying to, like, if I'm trying to go to other YouTubers and be like, hey, can you please caption videos, here's why, and then they don't want to do it, or they start doing it, and then they just stop doing it, like, with no explanation whatsoever, there are a few YouTubers who have done that, very big YouTubers, I don't want to use the word frustrating, but it's kind of disappointing, I guess, I guess that's a lighter word to use than frustrating, and if YouTube could do better with like the automatic captions or really not have them on at all because people tend to like if we ask for captions and people are like, Oh well there's automatic ones and it's like no it's that no, that's not what that does, it doesn't do anything. Um, let's see, running a channel as big as mine, oh it's all it's not as big as others. So I think what's actually makes it most difficult is the subscriber count versus like actual view count. So you see, like, oh, hey, I have almost 50,000 subscribers. That's so awesome. But then if you're filming, editing, captioning, okay, well, somebody else captioned my video, so I can't take credit for that. But, you know, you get all this stuff together, and then you upload it, and then you might, on average, only get, like, a 1,000 views. That can be a little discouraging because you see the big number in your subscriber account, but then... What really matters is the actual view count because that's how many people are actually, you know, paying attention to what you're doing, and that's a little discouraging. Uh, in terms of closed captioning, uh, how do you find services uh, such as Netflix or Amazon Prime? I don't use Amazon Prime to watch videos, so I can't say anything about that. Uh, Netflix is mostly good. I haven't had a, too many problems with it. Uh, there are some ta some moments that I have I was binge watching CSI Miami, and I came across uh, one of the seasons, one of the later seasons really. Um, and it was three. The caption files on episodes three and four of whatever season it was were completely switched. So I'm watching you know season three. It's supposed to be like I think they were at um a house party, a hotel, something like that, and. You know, even though I was listening to it and I could understand some of it, I the captions were completely off. It was just, okay, I I can hear what you're saying. I can't understand everything, but I know this really doesn't make sense. Does it, co does it coordinate with the visuals right here, you know? And then I went to the next episode and saw that those captions made more sense with the previous episode. And I was like, what you doing? What you doing? But I contacted Netflix about that, and they switched it. 
Um, I don't think I really had. I think maybe there was one other episode of something that where the captains were just wonky. Like it, files weren't even switched. It was just that particular file that matched that episode, but it was wrong. Uh, I think other people have occasionally told me about some moments, but overall they're they're pretty good with it. Actually, no, I think about it. There is one thing sometimes uh, if you're watching a foreign film, like I'm very big into Korean horror and watching like Hong Kong films and Taiwanese TV shows. And so they'll have to catch, they'll have the subtitles on for, you know, Chinese audio if you're watching Chinese movie and then English subtitles. But then occasionally if they are speaking English, like Hong Kong is a bilingual country, so you often hear English go into what they're saying. And there's an American actor on there, so he flipped back and forth their languages. So they had Chinese subtitles, and all of a sudden he starts speaking English in the middle of it, and then they don't catch in that part. And I'm just like, oh, okay, I am so confused. I'm so confused. That's probably the biggest one. Getting a little off topic, uh, but I'm curious, what's your current favorite TV show and or movie? Current favorite TV show? I've been watching Buffy. I don't know if I would call it like favorite TV show ever, but I'm really enjoying it. But if like overall, CSI Miami, um, there's a couple of Japanese dramas that I really really like. Uh, Gilmore Girls, Charmed, movies tend to change but like stuff like legally blonde uh t- fast and furious Tokyo drift Tokyo drift i've seen that so many times see spot run so old so good uh any any movies that are more current i'm not really sure i haven't really done a whole lot of movie watching lately mostly just tv shows because buffy is so long so good so now if people want to reach out to you and contact you or find and subscribe to your channel where can they do that? Just uh, search that. If you go to YouTube, just you know, search my name, Ricky Pointer. I I K K I P O Y N T E R, and I pretty much use that handle for everything. Um, Facebook, which is verified, so you'll see the one with the blue check is the one that you should follow. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and my website, RickyPointer.com, for any you know public speaking thing. Should you be interested? And then I have DuffPointers.com, same, you know, my last name, Pointers, you know, little pun, .com for the awareness online magazine, if you will, let's say. Ricky, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. Um, Any final thoughts or anything that we missed? Besides, hey, guys, subscribe to my channel. Visit my website, please. Thank you. Love you. Ricky, thanks so much again for joining us. Good luck with the channel. We wish you all the best. We hope you get those subscribers. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for having me. This was really fun, especially since we got to go off on Buffy a little bit. Happy, happy going off, happy. Well, that was an interesting interview. That was. It was. She was great. Yeah, you know, kind of different for all of us, you know, us having to type the questions and wait for a response and... But she was very forthcoming with information, had a lot to share. Yeah, yeah. And she is, I mean, you know, at 25 and having, you know, a successful YouTube channel like she does, mm-hmm. you know, we, we keep talking to these young people and, man, they, 
I look back and what what I was doing when I was 25, what a waste of time I did. I did I had nothing nothing accomplished. Times were different though. You I know, guess so. we didn't have smartphones, we didn't have the YouTubes, we didn't have a platform like that. No. You we know. had pool tables and beer and exactly. that was it. That's, yeah. that's pong. <laughs> beer pong. But uh but that's great. I mean, uh, I mean, I love what she's doing um, on on her channel. Um, so I, you know, I I'd encourage anybody listening that um, hasn't checked her out already. You know, go to her channel, see what she's up to, subscribe. Let's let's get her subscription rates up. Yeah, I think she was at forty six thousand. She's aiming for fifty. So let's go. Let's help her out. Ring those phones. <laughs> Click those links. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Uh, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? They can found found us. They can. They've already found us. <laughs> they have. Hopefully, if not, they can visit www.atbanter.com. They can also email us at atbanterpodcast at gmail That's right. Or they can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. You are correct. And many other platforms. No, no. They can. No, they can't. They can. They can find us on TuneIn Radio. They can find us on Stitcher. They can find us all over the interweb. Mm, the interweb? The interweb. What, what the hell is the interweb? <laughs> <laughs> You're just making up words now. The interweb. The interweb. Is that like right. the deep web? <laughs> no, deep web's a little different, but okay. we won't go there but today. Is that, is that, is we should do a inter- podcast on the deep web. Is the interweb under the deep web and then there's the interweb is or is no, the interweb above think, the deep web I yeah i think interweb's above deep web is deep it? web's kind of a scary place okay yeah so the interweb is only kind of scary yeah it's kind of a uh utopia place to be don't believe him for people <laughs> he does not know what he's talking about <laughs> anyways it's better than fruitopia <laughs> or zootopia zootopia it's a good movie, actually. Is it? It is a good movie. You should watch it if you haven't seen What's it. What's the other one I was thinking? Zuatapia. What the hell's that about? Zu what? Zuatapia. I don't know. I, don't I saw know. that on Cody. I think maybe Are it's supposed sh- to be Zootopia, think, but it's a, pronouncing it Zuatapia. I, I, I feel like that's Zootopia, probably what's going on. Maybe. I'll have to get a look at it. Yeah. What's it about? Basically, it takes place in a world where animals evolved instead of humans. Oh, okay. And uh, it's about a bunny that goes to the big city to be a police officer. <laughs> it's very good. It's Does no, it? it is. It's good. It's, it's very cute. It's All very right. cute. And it has a, a good message. Yeah. All right. So Choose. it's not going to be like that. What's that rabbit movie or rabbit book that was old? Watership Down. Watership Down. No, it's not like Watership no? Down. No. Okay. Very, very different. All right. Um. How did we? Where did? How did we get <laughs> book talk? About movie talk. <laughs> um, See, it's that fruitopia. Fruitopia. It's that interweb thing. Yes. All it right. Anyways, plays on you. Um, that's going to do it for us. We're done. We we're, are indeed. We're going to get out of here for this week. Uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned to Twitter, Facebook. Follow yeah. us. You never know what we're going to do. Stay that's tuned right. for our Google Home slash. Amazon Echo Dot. Yes. Review. Banter bit. We'll talk a little bit more about them now that we have our hands on them. Absolutely. Otherwise, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you all next week. Bye-bye.
This podcast has been brought to you by Aroga Technologies. Visit Aroga Technologies online at www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A.com. Music provided by bensound.com.